We're continuing this morning with our sermon series, Journeys in Faith. We're taking four stories from the Gospel of John. This morning we are looking at the story of the woman at the well. Last Sunday we looked at Nicodemus and uh, his approach to Jesus. This morning, woman at the well. Again, by way of reminder, let me encourage you to read ahead for next week. We will look uh, at the story of the man blind since birth. That's in the ninth chapter of John. It encompasses the entire chapter. So as you have opportunity and as part of your uh, Lenten discipline and commitment, let me encourage you to make the reading of the ninth chapter of John part of your devotion and part of your uh, commitment to read additional scripture this week. It will help you as we go along. As I suggested next or last week, uh, I'm not going to read all the verses in these stories because of the length of the uh, story and the length of the number of verses. So I'll be making references as I go through to specific verses. Let me encourage you, if you would like, to use one of the Pew Bibles. I think that will help you as we move through this story. But as a way to get started with, uh, with the story of the woman of the well, as a way to introduce that story, I'm going to read the first six verses. And that will kind of uh, get us going with the encounter that Jesus has with this woman. So, in the beginning of the fourth chapter, now when Jesus learned that Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John. And that's no small detail. It's not insignificant. What that says in John's gospel, what John wants us to know, is that Jesus' ministry is growing. And it has grown larger or as at least as large as John the Baptist. And when it says Jesus is baptizing many or more than John the Baptist, really the reference is to Jesus' disciples, and John tells us that. Although, he says in the second verse, it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, foreshadowing what the church would be called to do after Jesus' death and resurrection. Go teach, baptize. Others in my name, the disciples were already modeling that. He left Judea, the place he was from, basically. Started back to Galilee, back toward the hometown, if you will, from the journey that he had made and the place where he was residing. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well, and it was about noon. Hot. Hot part of the day. Time of the day when there would be a number of people coming to the well to get water. And it was in this moment at the well that Jesus encounters a woman. And there are four reasons that this encounter, this conversation, should have never taken place. The first reason is that she was a Samaritan. 
She was ethnically different. She was shunned. All Samaritans were shunned by Jewish people. They had been uh, uh, enemies. They had been opponents for almost 700 years by this time. Samaritans sprung from the same faith as Jews did. They lived out the same faith. Up until the time of Solomon, they'd all been together. Samaritans were part of the ten tribes of Israel that broke away shortly after King Solomon died. And ever since that time, Judah and Samaria had been at odds. They didn't like each other. If you were Samaritan or if you were Jewish, you were told. You know, you don't have anything to do with those folks. They're different from us. And we don't have anything to do with people who are different. They're impure. And so because of her ethnicity, her race, she was excluded, at least by the Jewish people. So reason number one, the conversation shouldn't have taken place, that Jesus as a Jew should have never been talking to a Samaritan, male or female. That shouldn't have happened. Prejudice was strong, just like the prejudice in this country was strong. The racism in this country was strong for almost 300 years. And while we continue to struggle with that issue in this country, You know, when you're taught something for decades, for hundreds of years, it's hard to get in your head that that's wrong. Particularly if you've seen that behavior modeled by family members. I grew up in the South, and my grandfather on my mom's side was a a wonderful guy. I could not have loved my grandfather, indeed all his grandchildren, just loved him dearly. But one of his worst flaws was the prejudice of the racism that was a part of his life. And when you have that as part of your family, particularly on the part of a family member that you respect and that you love and that you care about, it's, as a child growing up and, and trying to become an adult, it's, it's hard to make sense of that. It's hard to recognize that it's okay. There's no reason not to talk to people who are different. In fact, there may be and are very good reasons that that's exactly what you should be doing. We call ourselves followers of Jesus. And in these four things that we're going to look at, remember, if we're following, we're going to do what Jesus asked us to do, what Jesus modeled. The example that Jesus gave. Not what the church may have said later about separation of different people for different reasons, but what Jesus actually did. First reason that this story shouldn't even be here, this conversation shouldn't have taken place, is Jesus shouldn't have been talking to a Samaritan. But if we're followers of Jesus, those are the kind of people we talk to people. We're different. 
and ethnicity. We get beyond what our personal prejudices are. Second reason that Jesus uh, shouldn't have been talking to this person, the conversation shouldn't have taken place, were uh, religion, religious reasons. Samaritans, while they worshiped the same God, Samaritans worshiped God at different mountain places and different shrines in the northern, north of Jerusalem. For Jews, Jerusalem was the center of worship. And so there was a religious difference. A difference in understanding. A difference in what true worship was. Jesus addresses that. Jesus says in the story, uh, we're not going to be real concerned about where you worship. The important thing is who you worship. And that you worship in spirit. Worship's not connected to a place. It's connected to a person. It's connected to God revealed through Jesus Christ. But the religious difference is there. I heard a Deputy General Secretary of the World Council of Churches speak in North Carolina several years ago, a number of years ago. He was talking about interfaith dialogue. And he was saying, we need to have conversation with people who are of the Islamic faith, or who are Buddhist, or who are Hindu, or who are Jewish. We need to have those conversations. We need to have that dialogue. Dialogue doesn't mean that we compromise what we believe. It doesn't mean that we will always agree. But it does mean if we engage in constructive dialogue, if we respect one another, it deepens our understanding. It deepens our respect. We get away, we get away from stereotypes. If you're a follower of Islam, you're always a terrorist. Those kind of stereotypes fall on the floor. There's no place for that. Jesus models for us engaging, having conversation with people of different faiths. Second reason that it shouldn't have taken place, the conversation. Religious difference. The woman makes reference to that. How is it that in uh, the 10th verse, how is it that you, a Jew, religious, ethnically different, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria, ethnically different, religiously different? And then John, presuming that uh, many people who read this won't understand, Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. You don't do that. The third reason that the conversation should have never taken place is that she was a she. She was a woman. And rabbis, Jewish men, did not speak to women. It's a gender difference. It was unacceptable shouldn't have been done. Should have been excluded. This woman should have been excluded for being a woman. Conversation should have never taken place. Same kind of exclusions that we try to make and do make today based on gender. 
If we're following Jesus, then we model the same things in our life that Jesus modeled. You have conversation. You respect people. You love people. You don't exclude people. Conversation, dialogue, deepens understanding. It gives us an opportunity to talk about more things than the weather. It gives us an opportunity to learn more about each other. The fourth reason that the conversation shouldn't have taken place is that, uh, at least in some folks, in, in, in some folks' minds, when they read this, they assume that the woman was of shady reputation. She was married five times. She had five different husbands. And, and so this is a, like an Elizabeth Taylor moment. You know, multiple husbands. And, and boy, there's a scandal here somewhere. This is like, you know, reading People magazine. It's like standing in the line at grocery store and hoping that the people in front of you have a lot of stuff that they're buying so you can read the tabloids and finish the article before you get, you know, to get your turn in line. This was juicy stuff. Or so we think. But it could well have been that this poor woman was simply the victim of her culture. Because see, in her culture, if her husband died, if she outlived her husband, then it was the responsibility of the youngest brother or whatever unmarried brother there was in the family, it was the responsibility to take that woman in, to make her his wife. It could be that she was just a victim of unfortunate circumstance. And by virtue of the life or virtue of the family that she was in, this may have just been the way things rolled for her. She didn't have any way to get out necessarily. She had to stay if she was going to be taken care of, if she was going to live and be respectful, she had to be in a family. And so, while Jesus has conversation with her about that, it could well be, and notice that Jesus never condemns her. He just points out to her, well, you, you're right. You've had five husbands. You don't have one husband. You've had five husbands. You're right. But he doesn't say anything beyond that. He doesn't stop right there and begin to chastise her. So these four reasons, these four things that would lead us to believe that the conversation really shouldn't have taken place. Jesus defies uh, several conventional norms in even talking to the woman. And then they finally get around to talking about the water. And after all, you go to a well to get water. The hymn we're going to sing, our hymn of commitment, uh, contrary to the first verse, like the woman in the well I was seeking, the woman in the well was only seeking one thing, to get her bucket full, to get water. That's why she came to the well. That's why Jesus was at the well. And in this encounter, the dialogue takes place. And Jesus says, you know, you're thirsty. I know you're thirsty. 
I can give you water so that you'll never thirst. I can give you water so you'll never be thirsty again. And the woman is not hearing that in a spiritual sense, like this is the living water. The woman is saying, that's a good deal. I can be set for the rest of my life. I'll never have to come to this well again. It's like the billion-dollar bracket for March Madness. If I can win, you know, if I can fill out the perfect bracket, then all my concerns, everything will be taken care of. I'll get a billion dollars. I'll get some kind of prize. My billion-dollar bracket uh, messed up when Dayton beat Ohio State, so I don't have to worry about being taken care of the rest of my life. Uh, in fact, my granddaughter, my six-year-old granddaughter, <clears throat> had better bracket than I had after the first day. She was picking by whether she liked the team mascot or not. I'll try that next year. So, The woman comes. She hears Jesus' offer as, this will take care of this. What, you know, what could be better than that? I won't have to come to the well anymore. Water that where I'll never be thirsty again. My care, my concern will be taken care of. And Jesus, in the midst of her confusion, begins to talk to her about spiritual water, about spiritual life, about making a commitment, about living a life, about understanding yourself as a child of God, about embracing that understanding. God's steadfast love that endures forever. About embracing that. And looking beyond the daily, the, the things that demand our attention during the day, during the week, during the month. And making sure that our ultimate attention is devoted to God who loves us, who forgives us, who calls us children. To devoting our attention to God revealed through Jesus Christ. But through this conversation, the woman starts to catch on. And she says then to uh, Jesus' response, God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship God in spirit. You must devote your life to God. You must look at the four questions or the four reasons the conversation should have never taken place. You look at Jesus' life and ask yourself, am I really following Jesus? The guy who treated people as God's children. The guy who was willing to have conversation with people he was told, or other, that other people told him he couldn't have conversation with them. To care about those kind of people. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And then the woman says to him, Finally starting to kind of get it. I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll proclaim all things to us. Jesus has already modeled many of those things just in the conversation. He'll proclaim all things to us. And Jesus' answer to her is, I 
am he. I'm the one that you have been waiting for, that you're looking for. Responding to Jesus' vision of reality, in other words, following Jesus' example, is responding to Jesus himself, is embracing Jesus, is committing ourselves in spirit and in truth to a different way, to Jesus' way, of looking at this life, of looking at this world, of looking at other people, and seeing those people as God's children, and claiming for ourselves that we are God's children. Through the vision, through the call of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who's come for us, to us, in God's love. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you for stories like the one we've looked at today. For the grace and truth that's a part of that story. Lord, we pray today that we might look at Jesus, look at his life, look at what he did, look at what he said, be followers of Jesus Christ and no one else. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.